Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to episode number 72 of the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna. I'm glad you could join us today. Uh, In the past, I have introduced our prayer time episodes, our 10-minute tool time episodes, errand run episodes, and now the final type deep dive discussion. The idea with these type of episodes is that it allows us to take a little more time than the Aaron Run episodes and go deep on a subject. It may be about a book, but it may also be about a topic or a person like today's episode. Now, I don't remember when I first started to have an interest in George Mueller, but it has been a long time, maybe even from childhood. His life of faith led him to start an orphanage uh, and do all sorts of other work for God, uh, all the while showing that it was as a result of prayer and trusting in God through prayer. Uh, At one point, I read almost every book that I could find on the man. So a couple years ago, when I met our guest who is an expert on George Mueller. I was thrilled. Uh, And this was a fun conversation for me. You might hear me geeking out a little bit. Uh, My voice may change a little bit when talking about George Mueller and Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. (laughs) Because that's who I am. I'm a nerd. I've embraced the nerd within. But I don't want you to miss the point here. God used George Mueller and helped George Mueller because he came to him in prayer. And God can do the same for you. So uh, let's get to this deep dive discussion on the life of George Mueller. My guest today is Dr. Albert Lemons. He is the author of multiple books, including Teach Us to Pray and is uh, Fasting for Today, just a couple of those. And he has conducted more than 600 revival meetings, workshops, and seminars in his over 50 years of ministry. Uh, We met as a result of both serving on America's uh, National Prayer Committee. Uh, The fact that's important for our, our deep dive discussion today is he has one of the largest collections of books on the life of George Mueller in the world. His website is prayermatters.org. Dr. Lemons, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. My pleasure. Uh, It is uh, good. Uh, I've been... Uh, following this uh, through our discussions, uh, and so it's good to hear uh, have you here today. Uh, we're calling these deep dive discussions because we want to go deep on a subject uh, to help people grow in their faith. And you're uh, Mr. George Mueller himself. Here, here the you're, and so. Uh, but if someone is not familiar with the story of George Mueller. Uh, could you give us a brief introduction of, we're going to spend a lot of time with him, but a brief introduction to get us started. Yes, and it was, uh, as you said, in my last 50 years, uh, I've done about 610 hour weekends on prayer on every continent but Australia, mainly in, uh, in North America, including Canada. Um, and on one of my trips back 50 years ago to Europe, uh, I had a layover in Philadelphia on like schedules we have today, so it was quite a, quite a while. And so my hobby or habit is to get a city bus and go to the inner city for look for old bookstores. And not far from the, from the Broken Bell, uh, Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, there's this little line store. I walked in, 
and books down the left side and across, I walked down across the back and, and I was heading back up and before I came to uh, a man who was sitting in a chair reading, I pulled uh, this little green book right here. I pulled this book off the shelf, gave him one dollar for it, didn't know the title, didn't know why, and crossing the Atlantic, God changed my life. As I began to read this book and began to be so interested in him in different ways, and uh, when I brought that information back to our people locally, one of my best friends retired from AT&T many, many, many years ago with some, with some uh, things that enabled him to go on the website. And he began to, he began to seek for books about Mueller. And that's how I now have, at least 10, 20 years ago, I had the largest collection in the Western world was known. Now, most of those things are on Google or other places, but I have four or five books that are not going to exist otherwise on earth. And, um, and so that's the story. And, and it's just a beautiful thing, my privilege to share that with you. Uh, wonderful. And uh, so uh, what, uh, again, if someone was not familiar with uh, George Mueller, uh, what, what's kind of the high, the high uh, part of his story? Let's, uh, let me begin by, uh, he was born, he was born in, uh, on the 27th of September, 1805 in Prussia. Uh, outstanding student. He was not a, a moral young man. There were some immoralities there, but when he was 20 years old, he enrolled in the, in the University on Halle and uh, would end up there later as a professor down the road. But in any case, um, in the early years, and he was a scholar, he, he studied, uh, um, uh, he, he um, was proficient in, in about six languages but uh, along the way. And it was in one of the church meetings in Halle that a friend of his, Beta, invited him to a devotional service and he saw a man get on his knees and pray. And this man, even though he grew up in the Lutheran church, uh, never had seen anything like that. And as a result of it, he began to study more. And so I, um, I have a, a, a picture of the building that he chose uh, later in his life uh, to be baptized, but he gave his life to Jesus Christ during that time, and so he began to study seriously. Uh, he then moved to, he went from Germany, he was able to leave Germany and not go into the service because of a stomach ailment. He, moved, he went to London to study Hebrew. Uh, he wanted to become a missionary in, into uh, uh, in some of the northern parts of, of, of uh, Europe, and uh, and he studied Hebrew 16 hours a day, made himself sick, moved over, to, went over on, on the, uh, the, the coast to Tegmouth, and there he met Mary. Uh, her brother, her brother was a dentist that uh, gave up 1,500 pounds a year to go into the Muslim country to do some as a missionary. This impressed him so much, and so he and Mary married when they were 30 years old. And at the very beginning, he and she sold everything they had and gave it to the poor, and they decided that they would completely trust in God. He preached a little church in Tegmouth, but it would not allow the pew rents to be his uh, salary. He made the leaders put a box in the vestibule, and what God would move members to put in that box is what they had to live on. And I, I'll tell you later when we get into some of these other things, 
<clears throat> he and his wife were prepared to starve to death rather than ask God, ask any human being for anything. Wow. Uh, and that's the beginning of, it, of his ministry. Wow. Hey. And so uh, he, he was preaching, and then what uh, kind of got him started on the orphanage, uh, working uh, on the orphanage? Well, the, 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 the status, in, the status in, uh, in England at that time was so severe uh, that many of the adults were dying of cholera and other diseases and leaving orphans just in groves and drew, on streets. And they were conscripted into mines, in, in mine. and, and so mistreated, little girls were. And this is what, what was laid on him. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, I have a note here uh, from the information of many who may overview the subject, uh, George Wheeler. Uh, he founded the orphanages that cared for more than 10,000 orphan children. He had actually, he and his friend Robert Craig, who's a scholar, started formulating some of these things in 1834. Uh, and the scriptural knowledge, which is the result of printing thousands and a few millions of Bibles and, and tracts, and I'll give that information later. But all he wanted is what can we do to give glory to God? And so then they, just, they founded the famous orphanages, as I said, uh, in, from 1836 till the year he died in 1898 over 10,000 children. And it continues even till this day. Uh, and more than seven and a half million dollars were sent as free will offerings from all over the world. But no one was ever asked to give. And he gave as, uh, but only give as would be prompted to do so. And the, uh, these undertakings were so, that it included dozens of religious schools on several continents, hundreds of missionaries that he supported and more than 1,300,000 tracts, Bibles, portions of the Bible, paid for and distributed simply by faith, a prayer to Elijah's God. Wow. Uh, did, uh, from your study, did he uh, kind of have the plan to make the big orphanages right away, or was it kind of a, uh, something that he, he start with something small and build from there? Or? He started with something small. In fact, uh, uh, it's interesting that when he and Craig were, had agreed to move to Bristol and they preached under Bethesda and the, and the chapels there, uh, and on one occasion, a, a, a member of his church invited he and Mary for lunch. The lunch was not ready, so she sat them in a drawing room with a fireplace, and beside it was a, was a bookshelf. He, he went to that bookshelf and he and he pulled out a book and I hold a copy of it, uh, The Life of Augustus Herman Franke, who along with Spainer were pious monks that a hundred years uh, tried to bring the, the Holy Spirit back into the Lutheran church. And they were threatened with death in many cases because the Lutheran pastors didn't like what these men were doing. And on one occasion he was called into the court of Zinzendorf and uh, when, he when he presented his message, like Paul before Agrippa, Zinzendorf not only became a Christian, but at his death gave a great legacy to Mueller's work. But the point is that and they, he, when he picked this book, uh, when he found this book at his, at his uh, member's uh, bookshelf, and he began to read it, it's the life of Augustus Herman Franke. I said this pious monk born in 1626, died in 1727. And he realized, he realized that, uh, that he had slept in a dorm room 
in Halle, Germany, at the university there, which was an orphanage that this man had built 100 years earlier. Mm. And isn't it amazing that the, when the student understood that Franke's work had been done by faith, isn't it amazing how that the student took an idea from a teacher and went so much further with it? Is that not a beautiful story? That's amazing. Uh, uh, just a side question, because uh, uh, you said Zinzendorf. Is that uh, the Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf of the, the Moravian fame? That is correct. That is right. And, uh, and he was, and Mueller was brought before him with the possibility of even a death sentence. Wow. But he led him to Christ. Uh, that's amazing that I did not know there was a, a connection there between the two because uh, Zinzendorf would be the one who uh, had the 100 year prayer meeting that's started, correct. Uh, that's right. out of the Moravians. In fact, th that grew out of this. <clears throat> uh, in volume one of Mueller's Narratives, and incidentally, um, I have every one of those, the narratives or something, an annual report that he would make. And there were probably about uh, 3,000 pages there. And, and I was privileged of getting a copy that is so old and ragged. Uh, it looked like it's out of the bottom of a barrel somewhere. And I be, we've, begun to, we've begun to try to reclaim those. And let me read just some from one of them. <clears throat> uh, All the exercises of my soul were used of God to awaken in my heart the desire of setting before the church at large and before the world, a proof that God has not in the least changed. And this seemed to be the best done by establishing an orphan house. In answer to your earlier question, it needed to be something which could be seen even by the natural eye and larger than any single group could be responsible for. And now if I, he says, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained without asking any individual the means for establishing and carrying on an orphan house, that there would be something which, with the Lord's blessing, might be instrumental in strengthening the faith of the children of God, beside being a testimony to the unconverted uh, of the things of God. And then my primary reason was the glory of God. Everything he did, all the tracts he printed, the Bibles he printed, the mission trips that he made, was for the glory of God. And he said to be used of God to benefit the bodies of poor children bereaved of both parents and to train poor children up in the fear of God, providing them a scriptural education, destitute, fatherless, motherless children. But still, the first and primary object of the work was, and still is, that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all they need only by prayer and faith without anyone being asked by me or my fellow laborers, whereby it may be seen that Elijah's God is faithful still. And here are his words. He, answer, he answers prayers still. <laughs> Amen. That, that is, uh, I, I, that in my study of Mueller, uh, <clears throat> which obviously not your level of study of Mueller, but I've, I've been a, uh, following him for years. Uh, I, I'm amazed at the fact his motivation 
was as a testament first and foremost was a testament to god it wasn't a, a, it wasn't necessarily just about the orphans it was a, a proof that prayer worked is that am i correct in that You're right and later on in our discussion today i want to share with you what a man wrote in 1920 22 years after Mueller's death the only person we know of all the books i have on Mueller that that finally got into what really and there's, there, there's nine principles by which he lived, but we'll look at those a little later. But that's the very thing you were saying to glorify God. So he was a brilliant student. As I said, he studied philosophy, Latin, Greek, uh, and of course, uh, Hebrew, and, and, and from German, in, uh, great in English. Uh, he studied contemporary philosophers. He wanted to be a missionary, but he developed a patience, a patience that is fascinating to me, to wait for God's timing to bring about what he had asked for. Boy, early on in that orphanage, orphanage's story, uh, some of the later stories are, you know, these huge buildings, things like that. Uh, but any of, do you have any favorite stories? Because over and over, it was, uh, there was miracles that came about just as a result of prayer. Do you have any favorite stories that, of how God provided? <laughs> Well, you just asked me a, a, a beautiful question, and I enjoy sharing this. Um, on one occasion, when George Mueller was on a steamship uh, taking him to an appointment in Quebec, a dense fog had surrounded, surrounded them for 24 hours, and George Mueller told the captain that he must be in Quebec Saturday afternoon. And when the captain told him, said, this is impossible, Mueller's response was, and I'm quoting him, I have not broken an engagement in 57 years. Let us go down into the chart room and pray. Mueller knelt down and prayed a simple prayer. And when he had finished, the captain was going to pray, but Mueller told him not to pray because he said, first of all, you don't believe. And second, I believe that there's no need whatever, for, there's not any need for, for you to pray about this get up captain and open the door and you'll find that the fog is gone the captain later reported this story to several people and, and of course this was a moment of his conversion he says i got up and the fog was gone and on saturday afternoon george Mueller was in quebec for his engagement but let me share something else with you many nights mrs Mueller was awakened by the sound of her husband talking to the father and on such a night, he prayed, and a bakery owner could not sleep. He called his employee and said, go to the shop and bake bread enough for, uh, uh, for a month. He says, I've got to get some sleep. And the bakery the next morning, when they were 30 minutes late for breakfast, knocked on the door. And not only did they have bread, but outside that orphanage, a milk wagon had broken a wheel. And the man came to the door and said, I must get rid of my milk, may I share it with you? And these are just some of the true stories that are authenticated by many, many people and they're not just a tale that's difficult because see, I may be really not being fair to a number of people who are on your podcast because uh, there's so much going on now in the name of religion that's just uh, far from being true. To, to realize what happened in this man's life, when it happened and how it happened is so remarkable. Let me say something else. My father was born the 10th day of February, 1898. 
George Mueller died one month later, March 10, 1898. My father and George Mueller breathed common air for 30 days. So the point of all these things we're talking about, this didn't happen in the days of Origen or Augustine or, you know, or even um, Melanchthon and uh, even, you know, four or 500 years ago. This happened in our world right. that we're talking about in these days and it's such a privilege to do this. Yeah, that's uh, uh, it's amazing to think about that it's not, it's not, it's not far gone history. It's, it's, uh, it's more recent and uh, it's true stories that uh, I, lo I love those stories of, uh, of how over and over God provided uh, through, through his prayer life. Hey, uh, moving, moving to that prayer life. What, uh, what do you know about uh, what his prayer life looked like? Do we know anything of his habits, his, uh, uh, his principles of prayer, how he operated? Um, you, you bring me into a, uh, in, into a, another entire whole study. And let me, let's just spend a little time here. It's a great question. Um, in, in his day, there was Spurgeon, and, 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 and there were other great men of God. In fact, Charles Spurgeon's son said, my father's a better man when he's been a Mueller. And incidentally, Spurgeon began his own orphanage later, like on principles of Mueller. And there were a few others trying to deal with the children program in that part of the world. But, but in, his, in, in those 64 years of ministry, he answered over 3,000 letters a year without a secretary. And be, I'm getting to the prayer thing. Beside his orphanages, the four other objectives of his Scriptural Knowledge Institute claimed his attention, as well as his pastoral work at the Bethesda and Gideon chapels. And so, in, in, uh, uh, and, and when, he, uh, when he spent this time in prayer, the, uh, uh, in fact, somewhere here, I have a, a note that I wanted to make. Uh, on this very matter, uh, nobody in his lifetime, and there were different biographers, and, uh, and I have about 70 items. And incidentally, at, when I'm gone, uh, my entire library and my writings will be archived at Abilene Christian University Library, Brown Library, Abilene, Texas. In fact, they, it's being done now with 300 items right there now, and, and by George, uh, Albert George Lemon's papers at Brown Library, they can be downloaded. Uh, and this new material will be there shortly, uh, including uh, all, of, all of my books. But uh, in, in, in 1920, I, uh, I mentioned earlier, Henry Thomas Hamlin wrote a book, and there has never been one written like this about Mueller. He is, it seems, to be the only person who saw an insight to Mueller that, uh, that is remarkable, and I, I, uh, I spend time over these. There were nine principles. I have a chapter in my lectures on each one of these, nine chapters on these principles. But this is answering the question about his prayer life and the extent of it. And the principle number one is that the source of supply, the source of supply is God. The second one is practical testing. The whole issue of having such a degree and level of faith that that did not contest timing in the sense of placing God at, in, a, dispos in a, dispos a disposition. 
The third one was the necessity for prayer. Necessity for prayer. Now when, for instance, there would be guests, there would be guests that would come to visit him and that they would visit the orphanages, the orphan houses and the like, and then they would go into the room for him to pray. Uh, uh, this, uh, they were so startled at the simplicity of the prayer and yet the certainty and distinctive things that he talked about. Uh, uh, and often, in fact, I have a very small book uh, that discusses uh, an editor, a well-known editor, went to see him and asked him about his life, the very thing that you had asked me about his prayer life. And he said, as, the, as I talked to the man about this, he said, he, it's like he was really moving into some kind of a trance. And he said, uh, he moved forward, and then he said he went down all the way on his knees, and he says, I died. And it started this man, and he said, what do you mean? And so then Mueller began to go through several issues that were in his life, and he said, I died to every one of those. Uh, and, and then this is the man that emerged. And it was a result in, uh, and uh, I guess some, I just, uh, before I go on with all these principles, let me share with you that uh, um, what I, I, this book that I had found, and began to talk about Mueller. And then in 84, I had the privilege of going to London and do a prayer seminar with a church there. And the young man, one of the young ministers is like a son of mine spiritually, and he had heard me talk about Mueller. So on one afternoon, he said, I have a surprise for you. And we began driving down through the country from London, and I saw those funny looking cattle and those little patches of grass for farms. And we ended up in Bristol. I just sat in the car and James went in to see the curator and he came out and he was forlorn. And I said, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, they've closed this place. They're redoing it. And I've never said anything. <laughs> Forgive me, but I said, go in there and tell that man who's out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And so he went in there and the curator even came out with him and said, you must know more about George Mueller than I do. Please come in as you will. And this gave me the opportunity of going through some items and papers and things that nobody can do anymore because the foundation has sold all that property and now those orphan houses are the University of Bristol. And everything is in a house about a mile away, but, and my, and I held the Bible that he prayed through more than a hundred times. My fingerprints are on that Bible, sealed behind glass. And I sat at his desk and I went to my knees. At that time, I was, I guess, 40, in my early 40s. And I said, God, if you will let me live to be 90, at 50 years from now, I will pray through my Bible 100 times. I'm 84 now, and I only like about four years. It takes me less than an hour every day. Uh, and I, I, I go, I read through the text, and then I go back over the text. So that's a sequence of two. And the beautiful thing is that now I'm prepared to tell you what's on the next page. I don't ask anybody else to do that, but that's a covenant that I made with God. And it's the influence that he's had that I now share around the world in my prayer ministries. 
Uh, and it's this level in the religion of who that, what that man is. And see, that's what Paul said about Timothy. He said, he said I'm sending Timothy to you to the Corinthian church, and he will, he will teach you what I do and what I say in all the churches, verse 17 of chapter 4. And so that Mueller would not want us to do all He did not want any kind of accolades. It was to the glory of God. But this is how God does his own thing in perpetuating and perpetuate. And so this is why in these days, he's giving me some insights into this study of faith that I think is so important. But anyway, uh, I'm going to go back now to these principles. The third one then is this necessity of prayer. You asked me about that. The fourth one is, is uh, never to appeal for help, never to ask for money. That was his, I mean, he and his wife were in all these four of five orphan houses that they built. The fifth, seven, the fifth one was in 70. And, and now 2,000 children were all in these houses. Right. His, wife Mary saw, his wife Mary saw that fifth house built and she went to her, took her bed and died of pneumonia. But, and then number five is avoiding debt. Avoiding debt. And there's a lot to be said. I even have lectures on each one of these. Avoiding it, what all he said and what he did about this. Uh, number six was never to discuss your needs. He only took it to the Lord in prayer. He forbade any of his helpers, the hundreds of his helpers in all these houses, to ever to ever request. Number five was faith to enter a new enterprise with God, because he says it was not his work; it's the Lord's work. And he would tell him what to do, when to do it, and provide for it. And number eight was do not seek his own. He would not allow people to, but, and yet there were so many. In fact, at his death, editors of newspapers and every, on every continent wrote remarkable things about the miracle, the standing miracle in Bristol, it was called. And there were more at his funeral in procession, I have pictures of that, than, um, than even in some uh, uh, royalty of England when they died. Uh, I, I, I want to say something about me finding his grave before we end, so be sure to let me do that for you. Uh, so, not just, and number nine, number nine was a fervent, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit serving the Lord. This encapsulated who the man was. And so, Arthur Tapman Pearson was one of the outstanding Baptist ministers in our country at that time. I believe that it was maybe with a Baptist church in Detroit, I'm not sure, but he was the Billy Graham of his day. And, and, and George Mueller made two trips to America, and one of them he was in California, and near where the El Capitan is, <laughs> you know what I mean by that. A freight wagon ran into their, into their coach and could have, do some, have done some serious injuries. But anyway, he made it on to Salt Lake City. And he got on a Pullman car, Salt Lake City to Chicago, and there, Arthur Tapman Pearson, this outstanding preacher, and Mueller were in the same place together. And Pearson began to realize there's something unusual about this man. But often Mueller would just get up and leave, would not, it would just go up and leave. He had to go somewhere to pray. Mueller, Pearson didn't know that, he was offended until finally when he began to realize what happened. And Pearson then made a few trips to Bristol. And he is my favorite biographer of all of Mueller's work. Some amazing things. But anyway, uh, A.T. Pearson and the Scriptural Knowledge uh, Institution and its work and the fine orphan houses at Asha Down 
were all a great monument to a prayer hearing God through the work covered from 30s. Actually, the plans were begun in 1834, but died, but completed, of course, in, in 98. Yet the work was one in plan and purpose. Each new stage provided a wider application of the principle of faith. People, that's the point. And here are some things he, that Pearson said. His supreme aim was the glory of God. Number two, sole resort, believe in prayer. His one trusted oracle, the inspired word of God. And you'd ask me in your questions, what was his relationship to the Bible? Uh, as, I, as I told you, uh, I was privileged to hold that Bible in my hands. It's now behind the glass. But anyway, one divine teacher was the Holy Spirit that came off those pages. And then another, one step properly taken in faith and prayer prepared for another. And then yet one act of trust led to a greater one. And then answered prayer was rewarded faith. Don't you like that? Answered prayer was rewarded faith. New risks provided to be no risk when you're leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. That's his word. And then finally, from the pen of George Mueller, in the mighty monument of prayer, raised up to God, there was afforded not merely a Christian home for 2,050 children. This is when he's, when this fifth orphan house was completed, destitute orphan children, but a supreme and object lesson in simple childlike faith that God granted it to more and more. And the word was believe, believe. Amen. All right. Those great, those are, those are great principles there. All right. Just for a side, uh, for a practical application or a practical illustration of that, when you talk about practical testing, that was number two on the list of principles there was, pra was practical. Can you give an example of what that would look like for Mueller? How, how did practical testing of what he was doing, what would that look like? It's simply, it, it, I mean, it was, and uh, in, his, in the books that I have, uh, and, and uh, there's a number of levels of that situation talked about. Uh, you cannot understand, and, and for instance, I, in my lectures, I talk about the lean years from 38 to 49, when it was really 1838 to 49. I mean, those were some serious years of desperation uh, from one day to the next. And the people that worked for him validated that, that well over 100 prayers were answered the very morning that it needed to be answered, that they had to have it. Can you imagine, can you imagine a barrel of oatmeal placed on a sailing ship in Australia? How long it would take to get to the coast and then put on a wagon pulled by a cow to the porch, to the porch of that orphanage the morning they needed it. Now that's what I mean when I'm saying to you, some of your people may not be prepared to deal with this kind of thing. And so I just say that with all sincerity. And it, it takes, it takes some, some time to process this, and then particularly for the Holy Spirit to bring this about. But uh, uh, in, in, uh, he, he called it when the wolf of hunger comes to the door in 38 to 49. Uh, and let me, here's something that, 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 I, that many times there was not a single penny in the houses. On one occasion, September 18, when funds were completely gone, George considered selling items that could be done without, uh, we done without in these homes. This morning, I asked the Lord if I might 
if he might prevent the necessity of doing these things. That afternoon, a lady from London brought a package of money in it. He then looked up and said, God, I know you delight in the prayers of your children. And then he wrote in 1845, this was the lowest point of my life. Even then, my soul was strengthened, and he has never again been cast down even in the deepest poverty. And during this time, his health began to fail. He had to go to, to, to the coast again uh, to do for some rest. Uh, but then uh, there were tables uh, uh, as well as 800 pounds uh, given during that time while he was gone. There was never a meal missed. Only twice, once or twice was a meal 30 minutes late, but never, never missed. And on May 10, as a result of all these things, he says five orphans were baptized today. <laughs> over, over and over, he would say, the funds are exhausted. But overnight, or during the day, money would arrive, and George Mueller was a man of faith and trusted God for each one of his needs. That's amazing. I, I just love the, the constant provision that God uh, would provide for them. Uh, thinking as we, you mentioned the end of his life. Uh, I, I don't want to miss this question. Uh, yeah, so many people uh, drop out of what God has called them to do, uh, whether it's to the ministry or to the things that George Mueller seemed to last uh, you've lasted in ministry for uh, 50 years yourself. Uh, I'm, in my, I'm in my 68th year of ministry. Uh, 68, wow. Uh, and any advice for someone uh, who's not at the 68th year of ministry, uh, either from Mueller's life or just your own life, what does it take to, to last in ministry and in life, going after God? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, my visit, my first visit there, my second visit was a few years ago when I had left India and came back by there in France and, and England. Um, and uh, now that, now that's, you know, it's all different now. And it's not the same place I'll never go back again. But, but anyway, the first time there, that curator gave me a track off of Mueller's desk. And I want to answer your question by, by reading part of this, how to ascertain the will of God. And I'll read this. Number one, at the beginning, I took it my heart in such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the trouble with people generally is just there. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever that may be. And when one is truly in this state, it's usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. Number two, Having done this, I do not leave the result of feeling or simple impression. If so, I make myself liable to great delusions. Number three, I seek the will of the Spirit of God through or in connection with the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word must be combined. If I look to the Spirit alone without the Word, I leave myself open to great delusions also. And if the Holy Spirit, use the term Holy Ghost, guides us at all, he will do it according to the scriptures and never contrary to it. Isn't that beautiful? Number four, next I take into account providential circumstances. These often plainly indicate God's will in connection with his word and spirit. And number five, I ask God in prayer to reveal to me his 
word, his, his word, a right, a, a, a R I G H T. <laughs> that was, right. that's what he said. And then finally, thus through prayer to God, the study of the word and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. And if my mind is thus at peace and continues so after two or three more petitions, I proceed accordingly in trivial matters and in transactions involving most important issues. I find this method always effective. I never remember in all my Christian course. Anyway, uh, and he told us 69 years, four months, that I ever sincerely and patiently sought to know the will of God, the teachings of the Holy Ghost through the instrumentality of the Word of God, but that always directly, and it guided me directly. But if honesty of heart and uprightness of God were lacking, or if not patiently waiting upon the Lord for instruction, or if I preferred the counsel of my fellow man to the declaration of the word of God, of the living God, I made great mistakes. Does that help to answer our question? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, again, for my, my simple study of it, that seemed to be like each of the new buildings when they, it was time to, he would, he would settle it with himself first. Yeah. Uh, it would take, take the time to uh, pray it through and kind of uh, make sure that uh, it was settled there before he announced it to any of the team or anything like that. Is that correct? Yes. Every brick was paid for before he ever started the building. He never owed a penny. Never. And there are some miracles about things that happened when heating broke down in one of the buildings and they had to have it and the weather was cold. But during that time, the weather became warm and they didn't have to have it until it was finished. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which I, I, I'm in Minnesota, so today that would be nice if it would just somehow. <laughs> uh, but uh, any other, uh, if the average person, uh, uh, we're hearing the story of George Mueller. Uh, what would any lessons before we, I know you want to read something from later in his life uh, as we wrap up in a little bit here, but uh, before we get to that, anything uh, that uh, you'd encourage the average Christian to take from the life of George Mueller? Uh, yes, I would. And I mentioned this earlier and let me just spend a few minutes here on this idea. His strength of faith. His strength of faith. Uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That was a great passage of his, Ephesians 3.20. And uh, 81.10, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And often he used the, the fasting verses that went along with his prayer. Uh, he did. Uh, uh, he said that he didn't have the gift of faith, and he said that he didn't have the gift of healing. I think he was. I, I believe he was incorrect on the faith issue. I really do. As 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 sincerely we look at that from a distance. Uh, for many, he prayed in so many ways. He prayed uh, for healing from a, a, one of his members that had a. She had suffered for many years. That was in 1829. When he says that God did not call him to be a healer of physical illness, and he did not feel like that that was his uh, that was his call, but God uniquely calls and trains willing hearts to serve Him. We do not work for God, but God works through us. I like that statement. 
this, and of course, a remarkable vessel was George Mueller. Pearson, possibly Mueller's greatest biography, as I've already said, paints a picture of an ordinary man, not a superhuman one, but who was mighty before God. I ask the question, where are the great men of the 19th century? Where are the greatest church leaders today of the 19th century? Uh, uh, and, and I could name several, uh, not only, not only uh, our type of person, but, but, but so many others. But anyway, uh, as James says of Elijah, so Mueller was a man subject to like passions as we are. He often spoke of sin in his life. He confessed doubt, discouragement, sometimes even complaining, but God chose Mueller, who was a willing vessel. And in those narratives that uh, I mentioned earlier, um, and there are volumes of them. In fact, the details of his faith, patience, testing, God, Elijah's God never failed. And the five volumes contain about 3,000 pages, approximately 1 million words. And I have in my possession one of those original ones that were torn apart, torn pieces. And but I possess those, and that will one day be in Abilene's library. Pearson summarizes those ideas as follows. As an experience of frequent and, and prolonged financial straits, often funds were reduced to a single pound, no food for the next meal. Those lean years that I talked about earlier, I, I spent a considerable time in my lectures on this. He would say to those close to him, there is an infinite provision in our Father's bounty. And again, in his lifetime, seven million hit the foundation. I was on their email for quite some time. Seven and seven million five hundred thousand dollars were sent to him from all over the world. So look how this one man praying on the slopes of, of that island, Lower Island of <laughs> Bristol, and, and, and for that message from the Holy Spirit for uh, all around the world. And, and it would be sent to him from, from uh, addresses that are, that are just unthinkable and unknown. And incidentally, of 7,500,000 that went through his hands, his son-in-law at his death became head of the orphanages who had married his daughter uh, back in 75. Um, and when he went through Mueller's personal items, they were worth less than $800. Wow. $800 had collected the to the walls of that man's channel and 7,500,000 had flowed through there. Wow. So nothing printed or purchased without money in hand. He considered it a sin to contract financial indebtedness. And as I said before, both he and his wife Mary were prepared to starve to death if necessary rather than owe one penny. You know, um, when I think about uh, the contrast of Mueller and the world, he never allowed an outsider to know that the work was short of funds, even when sometimes one man sent him a hundred pounds uh, for him, said for your personal retirement. Mueller sent the hundred pounds back to him with a stern letter. <laughs> and the jewel that after he sent that letter saying what he does, the man sent him a lot more than a hundred pounds for the orphans. That's the, that's the, I mean, that shows the integrity, the quality of integrity of what he said. He did not depend on people or their generosity, but trusted divine law. 
because God honored his faith without parallel. And here's an interesting statement that uh, found in some of the writings. When gifts are in route, the heart of faith seems to suffer lack. But in fact, he must believe that he's already received. Isn't that what Mark eleven twenty five says? Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. When I was a young man 40 years ago, I thought I'd found a misprint in the Bible. But I came to understand, I came to understand, and I'll use, may I use this illustration? Do I have a moment to? Yeah, I, all right. Maybe there's a little child in your life that uh, earlier this year in July saw something on the TV that they wanted. Well, you just go to the store and buy it. It's now in, the, in a closet somewhere. And now it's, Thanksgiving is coming up, and the family will be there. And so this child is going to ask you again for that gift. That child already has it. Right. It's already prepared. And see, I believe, I believe that, there, that uh, Malachi talks about heaven being a, a warehouse, a storehouse. And I believe that God has a storehouse for every prayer you pray. For every prayer you pray. And incidentally, I have some other thoughts there. The 109th Psalm and verse 4 says, I am prayer in Hebrew, the Tefillah. I am prayer. Now, no English Bible, current one, says that. They'll use italicized words. I'm a man of this. Listen to this. What is the difference in God's faith in man or man's faith in God? And many of our English translations talk about faith in God, faith in God. But in the Greek New Testament, it's in the genitive case, God kind of faith. See, I study about a God, there's a God kind of faith and there's a man kind of faith. There's a God kind of love and there's a man kind of love. And it's so interesting that with the affluence of the Western world, many of our church leaders are in that middle oval, the same way they build highways and, all, and other things. But there's a God kind of faith. But anyway, um, and so Mueller admitted he was tempted but never related uh, to hear good soul. In other words, they had everything they needed. Do I need to read that last thing? Yes, are, absolutely. Are we down to the end of the time? Uh, this is Basil Miller's little book, and this is the best small back book, uh, Basil Miller, George Miller, that I, that I recommend. And I want to read this uh, near the end of his life. Uh, and it's difficult for me to even read these pages. <laughs> because it's like... He's sitting here listening. The funds were thus expended. But God, our infinitely rich treasure remains to us in this which gives me peace. Moreover, if it pleases him, with a work requiring about 44,000 pounds a year to make me do again in the evening of my life what I did from August 38 to April 49, I'm not only prepared for it, but gladly again, I would pass through all those trials of faith if he only might be glorified and his church be benefited. Often and often, this last point has been late past, has, of late, has passed through my mind, and I've placed myself in position of having no means at all left. And 2,100 persons, not only daily, to table at 6,000 meals a day, but with everything else to be provided for, all funds gone. 189 missionaries to be assisted and nothing whatever left. About 100 schools on different continents incidentally, with about 9,000 scholars in them to be entirely supported 
and no means for them in hand. About four million tracts and tens of thousands of copies of the Holy Scriptures yearly now to be sent out and all money exhausted. Invariably, however, I've said to myself, God who raised up this work through me, God who has led me generally year after year to enlarge it, God has supported this work now for more than 40 years with, still with help. He will provide with me what I need for the future. The following day, God honored Mueller's trust, receiving 217 pounds and then other money to come. Wow. It's been a pleasure, my brother. <laughs> it has. Uh, so one last thing. What was the name of that book? Uh, it's George Mueller, Man of Faith and Miracles, Basil Miller. And it was published by Bethany House, Bethany House Publishers. Uh, I really, I recommend uh, All right. the name. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, 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 it's on the shelves now. Right. That's the one I would recommend. Perfect. Uh, so people can learn about your ministry at prayermatters.org. Is that correct? .org, that's correct. And they can download, they can download about 125 hours of work that I've done, which is my life's work on prayer. And, fa and incidentally, my third book on fasting is in the publisher's hands in, in uh, Indiana now and will be available the middle of March, of uh, the middle of November. And, I, I, and I've said some things in that book that maybe have not been said of late, that God gave, God gave that to me. That's my third book on fasting. Wonderful. Well, we'll put that in the notes for people to uh, get a hold of that as well. Uh, thank you so much. I'll send a copy of it to you, and so you can send it out and the yeah. message as you choose. Uh, thank, uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has uh, been a wonderful time. My pleasure, dear brother. God bless. Well, there you have it. I hope that encourages you and inspires your faith to believe for what God can do in and through your life. He's the same God of Elijah, who is a person just like us. He's the same God of Mueller, and they just gave themselves to prayer, and so should we. What is possible as we begin to believe God for whatever he puts on your heart, whatever he calls you to, just begin to pray and believe for that. I always like to and with the, the yeses, uh, if you're looking for show notes, uh, you can find them at ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. Uh, find the different references that were made uh, today. Uh, then the uh, second S is subscribe. If you would like to get this uh, right into wherever your podcast player is and don't miss an episode, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, the third S is share. Share this with a friend who might be discouraged right now, maybe need a, a little uh, boost of faith, uh, let them you know, hear the deep dive discussion as well. Finally, uh, there is the S of say something. We'd love to hear what you think of our four different types of episodes, how are the deep dive discussion. Maybe you have a topic that you'd like uh, for us to uh, look at in the future. Find us at Enjoying Prayer on uh, the socials. <laughs> That'd be uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, that's enjoying prayer. We're all over there. Uh, but right before you go, let me pray for you and bless you as you go on your day. Lord, I pray for the listener. I pray that you'd bless them. You'd keep them. You'd the, the, Your face would shine upon them. And I pray that 
as they hear the story, it wouldn't be just a history lesson. It would be something that would inspire their heart to go after you and to believe for how you would use them as they give themselves to pray. So bless them today and use them in a new way as they seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you, again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, thanks for listening.